go to 2 Corinthians, and I appreciate Brother Kenny covering the last Wednesday night as uh, we made a quick trip up to see my mom. Glad to get back into our series tonight on uh, Route 66, just traveling through the 66 books of the Bible. And of course, we started not at the first book, which would have been the book of Genesis. We actually started between the Old and New Testament. And of course, you see the books there, all 66. And that's, that's why we're calling it Route 66. And so what we did was we've already gone through the Gospels. Right there, you see where we started. Tonight, we're all the way over to 2 Corinthians. Now, next week, I'll mention this later on, but next week, we're going to try to cover two books next week. And so you pray for me that we'll be able to get that done, but we're going to make every effort we can. Tonight, as we look at Paul's letter, now the word epistle is just another word for letter. Uh, when we look at these books, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, and so on, we call them books in our Bible, uh, but, but the truth is they were letters. Now remember, don't ever forget this, that the Bible says in 2 Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So if you notice there on that letter on the slide, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. Now, God allowed Paul to write these words, but remember that the author is the Holy Spirit of God. So these are God's words, and we, I always have to remind myself, because sometimes you're reading it, and Paul's heart is coming out in the writings, but again, it's God's word, and it's not man's word. So this is not a book of man, it's a book of God. But as we look at this book, I've entitled it, The Book of a Minister's Heart. A Minister's Heart. We're going to talk about how Paul's heart just comes out in this particular book of the Bible. Now notice, as you think about the name of this book, 2 Corinthians, it derives its name from those at Corinth, and the city of Corinth, and that is, of course, just like 1 Corinthians, those are the individuals, the, the believers that Paul was writing to. And notice here in verse 1 of chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth with all the saints which are in all Achaia. Now Achaia, of course, being a region in that day uh, that Paul was writing. And so we see here that the Bible says that as you think about this, that Paul was writing unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Now, if you look at the map, I shared this last week. Notice there in the middle, just, just below the middle of the screen, you'll see the city there. Corinth, and notice the word above it, Achaia. Of course, above that, you have the whole region known as Macedonia that Paul was traveling. So I think a lot of times, I don't know about you, it helps me when I look at a map, I try to understand where Paul is. And of course, remember that Paul making his missionary journeys is doing a lot of traveling. And we'll talk about when this book was written here in just a moment, but that helps us. Now, last week, we talked about the fact that as you look at this particular book, you can write it down. It was founded, the church was founded by Paul on his first visit to the city of Corinth. Paul, of course, uh, when you talk about founding a church, Brother Lewis is here tonight, uh, Brother Lewis Brasenio and his wife, and, and uh, we had an opportunity to go to a meeting yesterday where the focus, the emphasis was on planting churches, and uh, Bro Brother Lewis is actually going to present uh, the burden that God's placed on his heart and his wife and their family. We're very excited. We're going to have him here in, in two weeks on a Wednesday night. He's going to share uh, what God has laid on his heart. And what he's going to do is exactly what Paul did. Paul went into the city of Corinth. He began to preach the gospel. He began to share the good news about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. People started getting saved. And as a result of those being saved, a church was established. And of course, Paul then began to try to help those people to form a body of believers. And, and that's what we're talking about here when we talk about unto the church. Because the church is not a building. The church is the people of God. It's those that were at Corinth. And of course, God allowed Paul to be the one used instrumentally. Now, last week I mentioned this, that this particular church, the church in Corinth, it was a large church. Now, it was made up primarily of Gentile believers. There were Jews, 
that were saved as a result of the work of Paul and the ministry of the gospel, but it was mostly Gentile believers. Now, think about that, because you're talking about people that did not have the religious background that many of those Jewish believers had. And, of course, that was one of the tremendous things about Paul. When Paul got saved as Saul of Tarsus, of course, he had uh, been steeped in the Old Testament scriptures by Gamaliel. Paul understood many things. Now, he was on the wrong side of it, but after he got saved, God allowed him, and all that knowledge, of course, went from his head to his heart, and you even see that tonight as it comes out in this book we call 2 Corinthians. Now, again, this city, as you saw on the map, was a, a seaport city. It was a very wealthy city because of those traveling by, traveling through. But remember I mentioned last week, that, or two weeks ago, that Corinth was a city that was a very worldly, it was a very wicked, sinful, uh, immorality uh, was rampant, uh, heathenism was, I mean, listen, this was a very, very, uh, it, it was really a stronghold of Satan, and so we need to keep that in mind as we think about these two letters or two books, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. Now, what's the occasion of writing this particular uh, book? Notice at the conclusion of the first epistle to the Corinthians, we call that 1 Corinthians, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, announced his intention of visiting the believers in Corinth as he was passing through Macedonia. So Paul announces to them that he wants to come to them. Uh, remember that, that to these people, to this church, what they were was they were Paul's spiritual babies. Uh, just like God's given us four children and God's given some of you children Paul helped, you know, look, we can't save anyone, God saves the people. But these were people that God used, and so they were very important, they were very dear to Paul, and so Paul here is stating the fact, God's allowing him to say that he wants to come for a visit. Now, if you remember, last week we talked about this, that when Paul wrote what we called 1 Corinthians two weeks ago, that in that book, like I've taught that book, I don't know how many times, I oftentimes will subtitle 1 Corinthians Church Problems 101. Is <laughs> a lot of times what I call 1 Corinthians because remember the outline I gave you? It was one problem after another after another. I mean, that's really why God had Paul pen those words because Paul was addressing because these were people that were saved out of idolatry and saved out of immorality. By the way, we were all sinners, and we're all sinners saved by the grace of God. So when you come to this second uh, book, this second letter, the church there in Corinth was immersed. They, they were, there was this heated battle that was going on among those that were a part of the church, and the debate was over the motive and the methods of Paul, in other words, his apostolic authority. Now remember that God was the one that had called Paul. God was the one that saved Paul. God was the one that was using Paul. And, and again, I've had probably not near what Paul did in his life, but many times people call us into question about certain things. Now, I, here's what I found in my life. People that call me into question about things oftentimes are either people that misunderstand the Word of God, or they are people that their spirit is not right, or they are people that are unsaved people. And so there's this debate going on. It, now, this debate took place during and after Paul wrote the first letter to them, and all of this is going on. Now, when Paul heard and caught news of this, heated debate, it really saddened him. By the way, you know that if it saddened Paul, it had to sadden God, that God's people were, were carrying on the way that they were. Listen, the devil loves it. He was just sitting over in the corner having a party, that the church was having all this turmoil going on. And I thank God for the spirit in our church. But I want you to take your Bible, and I know that uh, the guys try to put these verses up, but I intentionally did this tonight and if you're joining us, I want you to take your Bible, and I'm going to walk you through 
But I want you to turn with me and I want you to see it as we read these verses. So they're not going to be on the screen. They're going to be in your Bible, all right? We're going to just take a little detour here. I think it's okay if we look at the Bible tonight. And so I, I want you to follow along with me. Now, here's, the, here's a couple verses I want to give you that are in 2 Corinthians that really reference back to Paul writing to them what we call 1 Corinthians. And I want you to look in chapter 2, turn to chapter 2, look at verse number 1, and look what Paul writes here. He says, But I determined this with myself, that I would not come, notice the word, again to you in heaviness. See, Paul knew that the first time he, he wrote to them, the first time that he addressed them, that it was, it was heavy. Some of the things he was dealing with were real problems. They were issues that were going on. And he says, I determined I was not going to do that again. Notice if you look in the same chapter, look at verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4. He says, for out of, notice, much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. Paul says, look, I, I want you to understand my heart. I love you. I'm not writing this to make your heart heavier. I'm not trying to make you feel bad about something. He says, I'm trying to help you. You can see his heart coming out, and, and he's trying to set things right because there's this debate over the first letter that he wrote to them. By the way, when people are in sin and somebody tries to help them with the truth, oftentimes it's not going to be received well. Now notice, turn over a couple chapters. Look at chapter 7. Turn, turn a couple chapters. And I want you, again, if you're at home, follow along with us. Notice here another couple of verses. Look at verse number 8 through 10. Here Paul says, For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. In other words, he says, look, if it would have been from me in the flesh, then he says, that would have been wrong. But he says, I, remember what I said earlier, that this is God's word. It's all scriptures given by inspiration of God. Paul says, look, I wrote what I wrote because God gave that to me to write. Now look at what it says here. He says, for I perceive that the same epistle, the same letter, hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry. Paul says, I'm not happy because you felt bad about what you were doing. Notice as we read on. He says, I rejoice that ye sorrowed to repentance. See, something has happened between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians because the people that were living in sin, doing all these things they shouldn't do, all these problems, things had changed. People had gotten right with God. They had gotten right with each other. Paul says here, he says, I rejoice that ye sorrowed to repentance and ye were made sorry, look at this, after a godly manner. He says that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Hey, I love that. Paul says, look, the whole reason that I wrote that, and watch this, aren't you glad if you have children when you say something to your kids and they get it? And that's what Paul was saying. He said, look, God used it. God used what he gave to me to give to you because it's caused you to repent of the things that, that were in your lives and that was in the church. Now, having thought about that, when we go through this, particular book. I want you to think about it because remember, the debate was over Paul's authority. Now remember, Paul was, as the Bible says, he was an apostle born out of due time. So here he is, the man of God. God saved him. God called him. And he was not acting on his own behalf. He was doing the will of God. So I want you to follow along. Go back to chapter number three. And again, Join us tonight, and we'll get back to the outline. Don't worry, we'll come back, we'll come back. But, but I want you to see some of these. Now, here's a word, I don't know if you've ever heard it before. The word is the word apologetics. Anybody ever heard that word, apologetics? 
Here's what it means. It doesn't mean to apologize. Apologetics means defense or defense of the faith. Now, I'm going to tell you that every one of us that are saved, that are Christians, the Bible says that we ought to study the Word of God, that, that we ought to be a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, that every one of us ought to be able to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. In other words, listen, why do the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses know what they believe, and yet many Christians today don't know what they believe? And the sheer fact is, is that if somebody walked up to you and started asking you doctrinal questions, could you answer them? Could you tell them what you believe? Could you give a defense for your faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Word of God? So listen, Paul was being called into question. They were saying, hey, look, we don't know if we really like this, Paul. I mean, who do you think you are? Well, I'll tell you who he was. He was God's man for the hour. And what Paul was doing was he was acting in, in the Spirit of God. He was sharing the Word of God with them. And I want to just give you just a, just a flavor of Paul sharing his defense for his faith, all right? Do you understand what we're going to do here? So let's look at a couple of verses, and we'll move through these a little quicker. But look at chapter 3 and verse number 1. This is Paul giving a defense for his faith. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 3. He says here, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation to you? From you. you know what Paul is saying there? He's saying, look, I don't mean this in a bad sort of way, but we don't need your approval to do what we're doing because we have God's approval to be doing what we're doing. Now, he wasn't saying that uh, being braggadocious or prideful. He was just stating the fact that he was doing what God had given him to do. Look at chapter 4. Look at chapter 4 in verse number 2. Look what Paul says here, given a defense of his faith. He says, but, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of truth, of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Paul says, look, we're not doing this in a corner. We're not doing this under the table. He says, look, we're, we're sharing the truth with people. Everybody knows as we're sharing that we're doing it to every man's conscience, but we're doing it in the sight of God. Look at chapter 4 and verse number 7. Paul says here, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. By the way, you're sitting here tonight. You are your earthen vessel, but God says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Look at it. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul's basically saying, it's God using us. We're not doing this in our flesh. It, the Lord is using us. We are just doing what God's called us to do. Look at chapter 4, verse 13. He says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, he says, I believe, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. So Paul's saying, look, what we're talking to you about, what we're sharing with you, is the truth. It's it's what God has given to us in his word. Turn over to chapter number five. Look what the Bible says in verse number nine. Wherefore we labor, Paul says we're, we're, we're working for God. Notice that whether present or absent, whether we're with you or not, he says we may be accepted of him. Paul says everything we're doing, we're doing it to please God. He goes on to say, and look at his motivation. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Paul says, look, I know this is a fact that someday I will stand before God just like you will and give an answer. And because I know that I'm going to stand before God, that's just motivation enough to make sure that what I'm doing, I'm doing that will please God. And he says, look, that is why we're doing what we're doing. Now look at chapter 6. Look at verse 3 of chapter 6. He says, giving no offense in anything, that the ministry be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God. Paul says, look, 
He says, everything we're doing, I want to make sure that I'm not offending one person. I'm making sure that everything we're doing is approved of God. Look at chapter 7, verse 2. Chapter 7, verse 2. He says these words to them. Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man. We have defrauded no man. Remember, these might look like Paul's words, but it's God's word we're looking at tonight. God's allowing him to say, look, we have not wronged one individual. We've been doing what God's given us to do. Turn over to chapter 10, just a couple more verses. Chapter 10, look at verse number 18. As We're just looking at Paul giving a defense for his faith. Look at chapter 10, verse 18. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. Paul says, look, when it comes to being approved, he says, God's the one that does the approving, it's not man. And look at, look at what it says, look at chapter 11, just one chapter over, look at verse 3. He says, but I fear lest by any means, as the serpent, he's going back to the Old Testament book of Genesis now, he says, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtleties, so your minds, he's talking to those in Corinth, he says, just like what the devil did to Adam and Eve in the garden, he says, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. He says, for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus. You understand that terminology? Look, Jesus is the foundation for our faith. And you know what a lot of religions today are trying to do? Preach another Jesus. Not Jesus Christ, the Son of God, another Jesus. The word Jesus means Savior. And look at what it says here. He says, if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, notice whom we have not preached. Paul says, I haven't talked about anyone else that could save you, that could help you. He goes on to say, or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. For I suppose I was not a whit behind the very chiefest apostles, but though I be, look, Paul knew what he was like. He says, though I be rude in speech, yet not in knowledge. You know what he's saying there? He's saying, look, when it comes to the word of God, God has helped me. God has instructed me. The Holy Spirit is guiding me. He says, look, I know I'm not the best speaker, but I do know what I'm talking about. I'm sharing God's word. And look at this. He says, but we have been Truly made manifest among you in all things. Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? Paul basically saying, should I be charged for doing what God's called me to do? He's given a defense of his ministry. A couple verses, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Chapter 12, look at verse 17. Here he says, did I make a gain of you by any of them whom I sent unto you, I desired Titus, and with him I sent a brother. Did Titus make a gain of you? Walk we not after the same spirit? Walk we not in the same steps? Again, think that ye uh, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. The word edify means to build up. Paul says, everything we're doing, we're doing to help you as believers in Christ. And then notice in chapter 12, look at verse number 15. Here's a great verse. He says, and I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though I, the more abundantly I love you. In other words, I love you more and more, he says, but the less I be loved. Paul says, look, it doesn't matter to me. If you love me or not, he says, I'm going to love you. Why? Because I'm loving you in Christ. Paul says, look, I, I will gladly give my life, my time. I feel the same way. People say to me sometimes, Pastor, I'm so sorry to bother you. Listen, you're not bothering me. That's the way it ought to be when it comes to being a Christian is somebody reaches out. And so we notice here that Paul, what is he doing? He's giving a defense. He's defending what God has given him to do. Now, notice this little chart that I've given you back in your outline tonight. And it gives you a, a quick comparison between the two books that we call First and Second Corinthians. Now, look at this. First Corinthians, it says here, 
was objective and practical. Now, when you talk about something that's objective, what are you, what are you talking about? You're talking about, if you want to write this word down, facts, F-A-C-T-S. Paul was dealing with the facts, what was really going on in the church. Well, look over in 2 Corinthians. Notice it's not objective in 2 Corinthians, it's subjective. So next to the word subjective there, write this word, write feelings. So he's dealing with facts in 1 Corinthians because there were problems, there were issues. When you get to 2 Corinthians, it's, it's personal. Remember, this is a letter from a minister's heart. And he's sharing his feelings. Notice it was personal. Whereas in 1 Corinthians, it was very practical. Paul was trying to help them. And, and again, he had to write them this sharp letter. Notice the second column here. 1 Corinthians gave us insight into the character of the early church. What was really going on. Look, the, the church at Corinth, talking about the people, it was about six years old. It was a baby church. And, and so what you see is... People that had not grown, not matured, they were still sucking on the bottle, they, were, they had gone back to some carnal ways. So what does 1 Corinthians do? It gives us some insight into the character of the early church. But look at the 2 Corinthians here, it gives us insight into the character and the ministry of Paul. And I just gave you a flavor of that. Is Listen, we need to understand the man that God was using to try to help them, and that's what 2 Corinthians is about. Notice the third column there. 1 Corinthians deals with a deliberate instruction. Paul was very deliberate, and again, God allowing him to do that. But when you look at 2 Corinthians, you see something totally different. You see an impassioned testimony. You see a man sharing his heart. I love how God allows the heart of the Apostle Paul to come out in 2 Corinthians. Now, look at the last column there. 1 Corinthians warns against paganism, uh, the pagan influences that were there. By the way, those existed before they got saved, before the church was founded and established. And then look at 2 Corinthians. Here we see that, that Paul writes to warn them against some of those Judaistic influences. By the way, next week we're going to look at one of the two books is the very next book, the book of Galatians. And again, there were a lot of things that were going on in the churches in Galatia that Paul was writing to them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about things that were not right. And as a matter of fact, take your Bible, if you have it here, 2 Corinthians. Look at chapter 3, if you would, and just a couple quick verses. Again, I know I didn't put these on the screen. I did all this on purpose, all right? Chapter 3, verse number 6. Look, look at this verse. Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament... Notice these words, not of the letter, talking about the law, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Now certainly we're not diminishing, Paul's not diminishing the Word of God. We need it because the Word of God helps us. But the Bible even tells us that the law, listen to this, is our schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. See, the law cannot save you. Religion cannot save you. Only Jesus saves us. And so we see here that Paul's warning them against some of these. Look, it's real. I talked about that last week, about legalism and how many times people want to talk about the gray areas there and, 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 and abuse the liberty that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's a statement underneath of this chart that not, not more than one year, a year, separated the writings of the two epistles known as 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. So again, there wasn't a lot of time between the two, but Paul caught wind of this heated debate that was going on among them. Now the contents of 2 Corinthians, here it is. This is the most personal of all of Paul's epistles. I mean, you, there's some great things. The book of Philippians we'll look at here in a couple weeks. Paul shares a lot of his heart there. But this one here, 13 chapters, this is the most personal of all. It deals with his apostolic life and ministry. We looked at some of that. Look at this. Some of the biased charges that were laid against Paul. Some misrepresentations that people thought this and they were not true. And then also some insinuations against him. And uh, listen, even in the ministry as a pastor, I've had in, insinuations, not here, but I've had them in the past. People uh, said things about me that were not true, and, 
And listen, it hurts, but it goes on sometimes. And, and these are some of the things that you'll find. Now, look at this long statement here. Paul's inner life, his inner life, what really made Paul tick after he got saved, it's revealed in, look at all these things, his human weaknesses, his spiritual strength, his tender affection, his wounded feelings. I mean, listen, Paul had it all. Seriousness. Paul was a serious man when it came to the ministry. Some irony, some rebuke, some impassioned self-vindication. Now, again, Paul wasn't just trying to make himself look better. You notice the word impassioned there is, is he was taking a strong stand for the Lord, for the ministry that God had given him. You see Paul's humility in this book. You see his self-respect, his zeal for the welfare of the weak and suffering. And here it is again, his passion for the progress of the church of Christ and, of course, the advancement of the members of that church. And listen, that, that's what I love to see here is I love to see our members growing in the Lord, advancing in, in, their, in their growth for the Lord. Now, the character is just like the, the, the first Corinthians. It's a church epistle, a letter to the church. Uh, the subject of this particular book is service unto God. Now, watch this. Service that results from the union that we as believers have with the head of the church. Now, the Bible tells us that Christ is the head of the church. And also we see here the members of the body of Christ. So again, we're talking about serving God. By the way, that's what we want to do here at Bible Baptist Church is we want, to, we want to be united. Look, what good is a body, that's what a church is, without a head? That's pretty scary, isn't it? And we need the head. And the head is not me, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we come together in Christ... What do we want to do? We want to serve one another. We want to help others come to know Christ. Look at the purpose to show that the Christian is God's ambassador with a spiritual and glorious ministry. Hey, listen, we're all ambassadors for Christ. We're representatives for the Lord everywhere we go. Finding in Christ comfort in all his suffering and his sufficiency for every trial. Look, the Lord has been through it. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we'll go through and this is the purpose of 2 Corinthians. Look at this simple outline, not near as difficult as 1 Corinthians, because again, there's been some repentance uh, because of the sorrow that's there. So three things, the character of Paul, then we see in chapters 8 and 9, the collection for the saints. That's a great passage. A lot of times we're there for missions conferences and other times, boy, if you ever want to uh, do a check on your giving to the Lord, go to chapters 8 and chapter number 9, and then the last couple chapters deal with the credentials of Paul. So notice here I wrote out to the side, we have Paul's conciliation and his exhortations. He begins the book, and then he, he deals with soliciting for the poor saints in Jerusalem, uh, the offering that was taken there, and then notice as he gives the defense for his faith, the vindication of his apostleship. Listen, this is all because God wanted us to see this in this book of the Bible. The writer was Paul, and again, you can go back to chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And so when and where was the book written? About 56 A.D., this was written on Paul's third missionary journey, and it was probably written from the city of Philippi is where Paul wrote this particular letter to uh, those in Corinth. Key chapter is chapter 5. Great chapter on our immortality. I love this verse here, 2 Corinthians 5.1. For we know that if our, look at this, earthly house of this tabernacle, that's talking about our body, that if it were dissolved, and by the way, that's going to happen unless the Lord comes back. It says, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, and notice here, eternal in the heavens. Aren't you glad that you're saved, and you have a reservation in heaven, and that, listen, one day we're going to be absent from this body, and we're going to be present with the Lord. And so chapter 5, listen, not just that one verse, but chapter 5 gives us a great view of our immortality, that promise that we have from the Lord. Uh, notice the key verses here in chapter 4 and verse 5. Paul, again, being true to what God called him to do, he says, for we preach not ourselves. Paul says, look, I don't go around boasting myself, talking about myself. 
Uh, you know, listen, a lot of preachers, they want to talk about what they did, what they've been preaching. That wasn't Paul. Look at this. He says, we preach Jesus Christ the Lord and ourselves, his, your servants for Jesus' sake. Paul says, look, everywhere I go, by the way, you study the scriptures and you'll find that's what he did. Everywhere he went, he preached Christ to people. Why? Because Jesus is still the answer that everybody, anybody that's not saved, not just at Christmas time. I know that nice little saying at Christmas, Jesus is the reason for the season. Listen, that's 12 months out of the year. And, and we need to understand whatever the problem is in life. Listen, there's people sometimes standing on the corner wanting money. They're wanting a handout. And listen, although we might want to be kind and whatever and give them a little something, what, what the answer to their problem is, is Jesus. You, look, you take an old boy and you lead him to Christ, and then he's going to have a purpose for living. Then he's going to get a job. Then he's going to support his family. Then he's going to start coming to church. Then he's going to start growing in the Lord. Then he's going to start giving to God. Then God's going to call him to preach, and he's going to serve God the rest of his life. But you just leave him on the corner and just keep giving him money for food and alcohol and cigarettes, and he's never going to change. See, listen, we see this, how we need to preach Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. And when we preach Christ, look at the other key verse, chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, by the way, that's all inclusive there, ladies, that if we're in Christ, we're a new creature. All things are passed away. And notice these words, how many things become new? All. Things ought to be different now that you're saved. Why? Because Jesus came in. And Jesus makes all the difference. And I love these verses. The key word, notice the word boast. Now, what's interesting is, I, notice here I put here, or the word glory. Why? Because both of these words, boast and glory, are both translated by the same Greek word. Kind of interesting. So you see that right here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 16 and 17. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, he says, and not to boast in another man's uh, line of things made ready to our hand. Paul says, I'm not going to boast in what man does, but notice, but he that glorieth, let him glory, let him boast, let him brag about the Lord. So when somebody gets saved, don't say, hey, look, I led this guy to the Lord. No, say, God saved that man. But we ought to give God the glory. And, and it's kind of neat how those two words are used in our Bible boast and glory, and they're really synonymous. They're translated by the same Greek word. Uh, the key phrase, the signs of an apostle. Now notice this in 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now here's, here's the problem is, sometimes people just look at that verse. Take your Bible and turn to chapter number 12. Because I want you to see this, and, and again, I, I try not to do this, but it's hard not to just you know, put a, a bunch of scripture up on the slides. But you look at a verse like that, and you look at that, and you think to yourself, well, it was all about the apostles. It was all about the, the work that they were doing. But if you look in chapter number 12, notice what it says here as you look in verse number 9, where Paul says that he said unto me, talking about God, my grace, God's grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength, God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And notice in verse number 11, he says, I am become a fool in glorying. Ye have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you, for in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. And then you look at verse number 12, Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Why? Because it was God that was working. It was the power of God on display. It wasn't, look, look remember what Peter says when they, when they said, look, we just want to make sure the shadow of Peter crosses over us because the shadow of Peter might change my life. No, no, no. It wasn't Peter and it definitely wasn't the shadow of Peter. It was the power of God that was working. 
And Peter and John, Paul, Peter says, why look ye upon us? In other words, we're just men like you. We put our pants on just like you do. Hey, to God be the glory when people get saved, when people's lives are changed. And we need to understand this as we look in this book, not to brag, not to boast. But again, we see that statement there about the signs of the apostles. Because listen, it was a transitional time. And we see God working and God is still at work today. Notice the key thought. We looked at this earlier, Paul's defense of the ministry, the ministry God given him. Two verses here, chapter 2 and verse 17. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. Paul says right there, he says, look, we're not the ones that are corrupting the word of God. So as a matter of fact, what we're trying to do is everywhere we go, we're speaking in Christ. We're, we're sharing God's words. By the way, I try to do the same thing, whether it's on Wednesday nights or Sunday morning or Sunday night, is people don't need to hear my words. They need to hear the words of God. And that's what Paul says here, given the defense. And then chapter 10 and verse number 8, love this verse, though I should boast somewhat more of our authority. In other words, Paul knew that God had blessed him, given him the ministry that he did. He says, which the Lord hath given us, but notice, why did he give it to us? For edification. He says, and not for your destruction. He says, I should not be ashamed. Paul says, look, God gave us this ministry so that we can help you, so that we can benefit you. By the way, I, I hope that this, what this series on Wednesday nights is for you, is that you're benefiting from it, that it's helping you to know the Word of God a little bit more. And so look at our spiritual thought, and I love this. You've heard this many, many times. My grace is sufficient for thee. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that's what he said. For my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly. Paul says, therefore will I rather glory. Remember, he had asked the Lord three times to take that, whatever it was, thorn in the flesh. Nobody really knows what it was. Some, some people really believe, a lot of theologians believe that Paul had uh, maybe some infirmity from being shipwrecked and beaten and so on. No doubt Paul's body was racked. Uh, there's some talk as you read the scriptures where it kind of gives us a little uh, look into Paul's life that maybe he had some sort of eye disease, that there were other individuals that were, were writing for Paul at times. I don't know what it was, but Paul asked three times, you ever ask the Lord to take something from you and God chooses not to? Well, listen, our attitude should be like Paul's. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. He says, why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that ought to be our spirit as we think about the spiritual thought here. Christ, how's he seen in the book of 2 Corinthians? As our sufficiency. Uh, he's our all in all. And listen, when we have the Lord, we have everything we need. Notice the Bible says in chapter 3, verse 5, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency of, is of God. And again, this, this is uh, Paul writing here, and we need to understand that everything we have, everything that we are, and everything we'll ever do is because of the Lord. Without Him, we can do nothing. Now, a couple things I just want to share with you by way of closing tonight and I don't, know, I don't think you have any of this, but maybe you can just listen along. But the church at Corinth, okay, we're getting ready to move on. And I just wanted to kind of close this off a little bit before we do. But the church at Corinth, as Paul wrote that first letter there, uh, they've been struggling. And they've been struggling with division. They've been struggling with quarrels, a lot of problems that were going on. And as I mentioned earlier, for the majority of the believers, not all of them, but for many of the believers, as Paul got ready to write this second letter to them, the problems that they had had been dealt with. They had repented by the time Paul writes 2 Corinthians. Many of them repented of their sinful ways. They had come back into unity. Listen, that pleases God when a church is together with one another. And by the way, they're following the leadership that God had given to them at this particular time, it was the Apostle Paul. But amazingly, even though they, many of them had got right, there were still some that were not. And, and again, God allows Paul then to write. Paul still felt the need to communicate, uh, giving a defense of his apostleship. I, I know that 
in my past. Uh, I remember years ago, my wife and I, we, we had gone back to a church that we had been a part of, and some things happened. It wasn't, uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying we were better or anything like that, but something had happened, and, and because it wasn't right, it wasn't dealt with, and maybe you've had to do this too, but it wasn't being dealt with, and, and watch this, if it's not right, we knew in our hearts to stay in that church, even though we had nothing to do with it, would basically be us saying that we, we agree with it, we have no problem with it, that it's okay with us. Do you, you understand what I just said? And, and so we prayed about it. You know, Lord, what do you want us to do? And God gave us peace that if that was the sit Now, listen, this was a church that we had been a part of, that we loved. We loved the pastor. We loved all the people there, even the ones that had done what they did. And it wasn't us saying we were better than them, but we realized we cannot stay. One thing I knew for sure is I had four children that we had been trying to teach what the Bible says. That as they grew up, if we stayed, then they would kind of be thinking to themselves, whether they said it to us or not, well, mom and dad, you say this, and the Bible says this, but the church is doing this. Do you see what I'm saying? They, they weren't lining up. And, and so I went to the pastor who, who really was like a, like a father to me. Uh, to this day, I, I still love him. But I went to him and I said, look, I said, I gave him the date. It was like, I don't know how many weeks away. I said, this will be our last service. And what kind of saddened me was he didn't try to talk me out of it. He didn't apologize, didn't say, you know, again, that's between him and the Lord. This was about us, about our family. And, and so uh, time went on and I went to him as time was getting closer for us to leave the church, nobody in the church knew. We didn't go around telling anybody. It wasn't our business. And as time went on, I remember I went to him, my pastor, and I said, can I ask a favor of you? And he said, what is it? And I said, would you allow me to get up and address the people before we leave. Now, you have to understand, this man was my Paul and I was his Timothy. And I looked at him and I said, you know I love you and you know I would never, if I was going to hurt him, I could have hurt him by that time. And I said to him, I said, but I feel that I need to get up and say a few words what was I doing? I was doing the exact same thing that Paul. I'm going to tell you something. Your testimony for the Lord matters. And if we left and people thought otherwise, it would not only damage our testimony, but it would damage the cause of Christ. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying, but it was something that was very important to me, and I knew it was important to the Lord. And so I, I just kind of asked. I didn't demand it. And then I walked away. Now, a couple weeks went by. He never said a word to me. And when the time came, we walked in that last Wednesday night. And I was walking through the foyer, heading to the auditorium. I wasn't going to be mad if he wasn't going to let me do it. But I honestly thought, he's not going to let me do anything. And as I was walking through there, he said, can I talk to you? We went into his office. And he said, when, when we're done tonight, he says, I'll give you five minutes. And I came up, stood in his pulpit, and all I really said was, we're leaving. Never said why. Never said I disliked anybody. Never said anything negative. What I did say was that we're okay. It's, it, it, you know, I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. But God has made it clear, by the way he did, God has made it clear that it's time for us to go. And we left. Now, can I tell you that was the right thing to do? Because, again, if something is not right and nothing's being done about it, I mean, how would you like it if I started preaching heresy from the pulpit? 
You know, I hope you would have an issue with it. You know, I hope you would say, look, if you don't stop that, I'm leaving. And it's very important that we understand this matter. That's what Paul was doing. He was giving a, a, a defense of what God had given him to do. And Paul, was, again, he wasn't arguing with them, but he was sharing with them what the scriptures teach. Now, how do we apply this to our lives, to our church, when you think of what Paul was doing here? Just like Paul wrote to those in Corinth, what was he doing? He was writing to them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to really kind of awaken their conscience, to awaken them to repent of what was going on there and to cause them to do what? To live in harmony, to live in unity, and to humbly learn to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. And so as Christians, look, people are going to hurt us, folks, but we have to be Christ-like and we need to forgive those, listen, even those who may wrong us. It's very important we do that. Take your Bible, one last verse. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Because, look, we have to seek reconciliation. And it's so important when disunity does not reign in our churches. Look at chapter 13. Look at verse one verse, verse number 11. Paul says, I am become a fool in glorying. Ye have compelled me. He says, oh, excuse me, I'm reading chapter 12. Uh, uh, chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell, be perfect. Now, the word perfect means mature. He says, be grown up in the Lord. He says, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace shall be with you. Now look at the very next verse. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Now don't go around doing that. It's COVID time, you know. But, but here's the thing is, is God says that we need to seek reconciliation. Why? So that there would be unity. So that instead of the church being hindered, the work of God being hindered, that the work of God will go forward. You have to understand, when you look at these two books, First and Second Corinthians, Paul, God gave Paul what he did in 1 Corinthians. Why? To bring about the repentance. And you see something totally different in 2 Corinthians. Boy, it's a wonderful thing when people in sin get right with God and the work of God goes forward. And so next week, we're going to try to cover the next two books, and that's Galatians and Ephesians. Now, let me help you with this. I'm not going to ask if you read all of 2 Corinthians. I had read a portion of it. I sat down this afternoon, and I'm not a fast reader. I read 13 chapters, the entire 2 Corinthians, in 40 minutes. I don't know if you read fast or slow, but I read the entire book in 40 minutes. Now, here, Galatians and Ephesians, there's six chapters in each book. So there's seven days between now and next Wednesday. So that's like a chapter, chapter and a half, two chapters at the most per day, you'd be done. Uh, it's important that we read these so we get familiar with them. And I, I wanted to go through 2 Corinthians today because I just I wanted to kind of get on base again with all that's been going on in my life. And so I hope you're enjoying this. We're looking forward to just continuing down Route 66. Don't forget now, Sunday, going to be a great day in the Lord's house. And so let's have a word of prayer and we'll let you be dismissed. Lord, thank you for those that joined us by way of live stream, those that are here tonight. Pray that you continue to bless. Thank you for uh, really the heart of the Apostle Paul, the passion that came through. And we know that these weren't Paul's words, that they are your words. But thank you for helping the church in Corinth. Thank you for helping our church, helping me to understand that even though problems exist, that God, you have given us your word and your spirit, that we might be perfect or mature, that we might be in unity with one another so that your work, would continue. Thank you again for this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.